Eat Media presents the Truth Seeker, Truth Speaker podcast, hosted by Bias Simbing. Yo, what's going on? Bias Simbing coming at you live and direct. First and foremost, I want to say that I am truly thankful we are in the building. How do y'all feel this morning, man? I'm tapping in. This is being recorded Monday on the 10th, 1036. It's kind of cold outside. It's not stopping anybody. How do y'all feel this morning? We are here. It's been a week. I am truly thankful. So much has taken place. But we are forever grateful, right? Because we walk with that higher power, right? Because we move in a certain light. I want to get right into it, but before I get right into it, there was a certain story that touched me earlier this week, and I want to bring it up. I want to shed some light to this young woman by the name of Denisha Montgomery. Denisha Montgomery, who was 27 years old, allegedly, allegedly commits suicide in the military while stationed in Germany. However, family and close friends believe she was murdered. Days, but days prior to her alleged suicide, she FaceTimed her family in a very frantic manner, showing them bruises and scars that she said her peers caused. She stated while leaving the water park, they tried suffocating her in the car ride back to base, and she continuously said she couldn't breathe. Days after the incident, she filed a report against the individuals that participated in her abuse. Also stated that she wanted to do nothing with the military anymore and would like to be discharged. But get this, two weeks prior to her coming back home, she was found dead in her room. The cause of death was strangulation. Before I continue, moment of silence for Denisha Montgomery. I am deeply saddened. I listened to this woman speak because it was a story on CNN. I watched this woman on FaceTime because her family and friends had the foresight to record the FaceTime. I'm watching this woman with tears rolling down her eyes. She's talking about how this was her lifelong dream from young, joining the military, and for this woman to be done like that. I am deeply saddened. She shouldn't never went out like that. Denisha Montgomery was a mother. Denisha Montgomery was a daughter. Denisha Montgomery was a wife. She wasn't just a nobody. She was somebody who will be missed, who will be lost. I'm deeply saddened. This hurts my heart. So I wanted to raise her up. Bringing her on the truth seeker, truth speaker. My condolences, my prayers, sending it to the family, to the loved ones, to the friends, to the people who had Denisha Montgomery 
close to their heart. So ladies and gentlemen, I know why you uh, gave us a deep dive, right? But you know how I am when I get on the episodes and I get on the microphone. I got to speak the truth. I got to let the folks know what's going on in the world, right? And this is unfortunate. So may the family and the friends and the loved ones live peacefully. Attempt to try to live peacefully. Sending my love their way. As we make our transition, I got a good episode today, ladies and gentlemen. Right? I'll be interviewing one of the guys who I hold in a high regard, right? This man right here is a pillar in the community, right? This man right here dedicates his life to improving the people around him in the fitness industry. This man right here has the calmest disposition toward life. I've never met a man who's had such a calm disposition toward life. This man also goes by the peace coach. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we got my man, Marcus Cargill, the peace coach. We gotta do it for you, man. We gotta do it for you. Marcus Cargill, how you doing today? Welcome to the show, the truth speaker, truth speaker. How you feel, man? Man, right now, I'm feeling a couple things yeah. simultaneously. Let's talk about it. I'm feeling at my best, and I'm feeling angry with the story that you shared. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing it. Yeah. But it makes me angry because it happens too much. Yeah. Happens far too much. Um, it's unacceptable. Yeah. Moving forward, it just makes me more mindful to take that anger and continue to let that fuel the actions on continuing to improve the overall welfare of the community, mm -hmm. uh, of myself, my family, loved ones, the community. Yes. As we continue to improve our well-being, those conditions will happen far less. Mm. On the other side of that is, so that's the part that I can control. Right. The other side of that is there's a part that I can't control, and that's what transpired, the story you shared. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where the karmic debt is going to be paid. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I think one of the best ways we can work on improving that situation and situations like that and occurrences like that continuing to improve ourselves mm -hmm. it also briefly reminded me there was a young man who was he was like a little brother to me mm. um he is my little brother let me rephrase mm. um killed through senseless violence mm. and um yeah it remind it took me back to that yeah. story briefly it's a tragedy yeah yeah man and um it's one of those areas 
again, <laughs> it makes you think, damn, I can't believe this is happening. You know, it kind of puts you in a whirlwind. You can't believe it's happening. And then finally it sinks in. But still, being able to have that understanding like, okay, I need to continue to improve this condition that we're living in. Yeah. Because that occurrence, those events, those are symptoms, mm. right, or outcomes of a much bigger war yes, that's sir. going on, a lot of spiritual wickedness in high places, Yes, sir. you know, spiritual warfare. So what is it that we need to do to continue to get our spirits in a healthier state so that our outcomes can be more healthy, mm -hmm. so that we are not in a condition of trying to survive but mm. to thrive? Mm. At any rate. That kind of took me into that. Yeah, I and, love it. Um, yeah, one of the things that I learned from that situation, too, of, uh, you know, losing a little brother and hearing this story was um, you don't know when it is your time. Mm. So for the time that you are here, do your very best to speak what you got to speak on mm. and to do what you got to do. You don't know how much your time is going to be here. For, and, and every day you're writing a new chapter, so mm. to speak, or you're writing a new page, a new page in your book, mm. in your book of life. So live it as fully as you can. Pardon me. Really work on moving in alignment. Mm. So that experience and hearing this was a reminder, too. Like, you really have to do your very best to say what you want to say. Mm. You know, if there's something on your mind, be able to speak it. Yeah. If there's something that you know you got to do or you want to do, you have desire to do, make it happen. Right. You don't know when your time is. Now, obviously, I'm not, it's, uh, my intention is not to sound insensitive. Obviously, I wouldn't wish that type of uh, ending to life on anyone. But also understanding that you don't know when or how it is your turn. So be mindful being more grateful and being able to move each day more powerfully, mm. more fully, and more power at any rate. Peace, yes. Coach, ladies and gentlemen. We are already sending off jewelry. We are already in the studio letting it be known that these things are able to be circumvented with proper action, right, Cargill? Mm -hmm. You talked a little bit about certain things that we have to do as individuals, right. right, to approach the world, right? If we do our part individually with the healing, the inner healing, the soul, the soul searching, right, get into the truth of what it is that I'm doing on this earth. Why am I here, right? Because it's not to spew venom. It's not to be a vessel of evil. It's really to become a vessel of light. But how do you do that, right? But you eloquently spoke about bringing it back to self. So I want to go back to self, but with you, right? So I want to go from the beginning. Where were you raised, right? How were you raised? And were you raised in a two-parent household? Mm. I was raised in the city of Gardena. Where the grass is greener. Okay. Shout out to the city of Gardena. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so that's the where. I think you asked the how. Yeah, and, how were um, you raised? 
I would say, in short, I was raised. Mm, that's a great question. How were you raised? And I think just to add more context to it, right? Because a lot of times the way we were raised, right, shapes who we are today, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? That's mm-hmm. why I also asked, were you raised in a two-parent household, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's a certain level of trauma that we as individuals endure when we are raised in a broken ha- in a broken family, in a broken house, mm-hmm. when we don't see the mother and the father together, right? When in early age we see that separation. So I want to go back to you. How were you raised in? Were you raised in a two-parent household? Mm-hmm. I was raised a couple things that come to my mind. Um, I was raised to be kind and work hard. Mm. Uh, and the be kind, I would say, I attribute to my mother. The work hard, I attribute to my father. Uh, yes, I did grow up in a two-parent household. For that, which I am grateful, and I'm aware that that is not the case for many of us. And I'm also aware that many successes and great things have come out of people um, that have a different situation than that. So I don't want to... Um, minimize the significance that has come out of people in a different circumstance. Also, uh, to acknowledge that there are many folks who may come up in a two-parent household, but it can still be an unhealthy environment, Mm -hmm. and that can lead to uh, various conditions as well. Mm -hmm. But going back to myself, uh, yes, two-parent household, and I definitely think I needed that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think I would have been... Quite a character. I'll leave it at that. Well, were you the only child, or do you have siblings? I was the only child for a few years, okay. but I do have a younger sister. Okay, so uh, can we talk about, like, the perspective of just kind of, like, growing up as the only child and then having a sibling, right? Because mm-hmm. also we talked about how that can also shape individuals, right, mm-hmm. where you are coddled, where you're the only one, and you get everything, and you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a certain light. Or a certain perspective outward that you look out, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to sharing that love, right? That parental guidance with siblings. So you have it to where you experienced it both ways. So if you could talk about those experiences. Hmm. Let's say um, the experience of being an only child. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, you get a lot of attention. Or at least in my experience, I recall getting a lot of attention. But I also recall myself at a very, very young age, like around the time when I could first start speaking, um, inquiring about having a sibling. So I think even at that age, I was desiring uh, to have a sibling. So <laughs> so I guess they said, all right, well, let's go ahead and fulfill this order. <laughs> and then they made that happen. So, you know, shout out to Nyla, my little sister, Nyla. And... Um, yeah, uh, as far as the perspective of growing up, now your older brother. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say it's interesting because of the. I always wonder if it's the age gap or if it's other uh, pieces that fall into place. And, and and what? How much is the age gap, by the way? Seven years. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so, my fourteen, she's seven. I'm twenty-one. She's fourteen. You was really big so brother. And so on. Right. 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 And so um, it was one of those things where this is where I have to work on me. So even though I shared that, right, I inquired that, 
and there are times, there are many memories where uh, we spend time together. But also there's many memories, and this is my perspective. I can't say it for, from her perspective, but from my perspective, I had a, a, a stage in my life, and maybe this is attributed to the age difference where I, you know, I started focusing on work, started focusing on different things that pulled me away from spending time with my family. And um, for a good portion of my life, I'd say within these last 10 years, mm -hmm. uh, I really focused on work, school, and, you know, there was a point in there I was doing sports, football, and uh, a lot of that took a lot of time. Uh, so there was a point where, as I grew older, and going to therapy and wanting to improve my relationships with people and family, I realized, oh, I need to work on this relationship. This is a relationship I haven't been uh, watering a lot. So mm -hmm. let me work on getting back to that. You know, so even now, try to make time to, not try to, but make time to go and spend more time with little sister. Yeah. Spend more time with family. Spend more time with family individually and collectively while still learning how to, navigate work and, and being in a position that, you know, I want, I desire to be in, I want to be in. And just to add on to that, right, Cargill, because you talked about, you know, at a certain point in your life, in the earlier stages, you decided to focus on work and whatnot, right? But some people would have decided otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about where the inspiration came from, like, you focusing on work at an early age. Where did that inspiration come from? Mm. Well, I think a lot of it came from my father. Mm. Um, I also grew up around a lot of family who, if they either they were working or they had a, a hustle of their own or a combination of both. You know, so in addition to my father, you know, my grandmother went to millinery school, so she had a hot, a, a hat shop in her... Um, basically in the back of her house, right? Um, my aunt has a daycare, still running to this day. Mm -hmm. And so also just seeing, you know, entrepreneurial spirit. My grandmother, my father's side, teaches piano lessons still to this day. And she might not like learning. I'm not going to put her age on blast because she's not <laughs> a fan, but I'm going to say that... Uh, <laughs> We're getting closer to the triple digits. I'm gonna wow. just say it like that, and well, still, and still, yes, it is, and still teaching to this day, right? So, I got to see a lot of hustler influence around me in that way, in various ways, um, but definitely a lot of it from my father. Uh, growing up, he had a studio. He was also a musician, and still to this day has a studio and is still a musician. So I've seen that day in and day out all my life, and um, you know had the studio in the garage and then moved it out to bigger and better things as, as time went on. Um, so growing up seeing that, it was always in my mind, like, well, yeah, working is like, that's, that's what you do. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and Cargill, right? Because you also talked about how your father was a musician, but the audience wants to know exactly what instrument did he play? Yes. Uh, actually is a musician. Let me correct myself. Uh, violinist. Oh, you can actually wow. find him still, you know, if you're on Apple Music, something like that. Type in Mark Cargill. Listen, get the album. Listen to it. Go get the album, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Go get, get, get it. Album. All right, we got one for you for Christmas, and we got one for you for 
like the contemporary jazz and things like that. And there's a couple other pieces too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, check that out. So I want to go ahead and you know, cause we we walking this thing down, right? Like we want we want to start from the beginning all the way up until now, right? Like I want to go on a journey. So like you talk about how you grew up in Gardena, right? So um, could you give us a time frame in like whether it was in the eighties, the nineties? What is it that you experience outside of the home in Gardena? Hmm. I'd say primarily the 90s and 2000s. Okay. So um, what is it that I experienced outside the home? It's interesting. I actually grew up very much what I would call in a bubble. I didn't go outside my city much. Um, I pretty much grew up <laughs> right in that small circle. I went mm-hmm. to schools in the environment. And whenever I wasn't there, I was with my dad working or with my family or whatever the case may be. Uh, It wasn't until I got to, I want to say high school. So you're talking from childhood all the way up to high school. I'm not really venturing out too much. Right. Right. It happens here and there, but not too much. Up until I got to high school, uh, shout out Kevin, DeAndre, uh, two real good friends of mine to this day. And, um, I decided one day I'm going to walk up the street just to see what's going on up here. Mm. Just just to change the environment up. Mm. I find out I got two of my good friends who we went to the same elementary, the same middle school, and the same high school. And I just now am learning in my final years of high school Mm. that they've been living right up the street from me this whole entire time. That's crazy. I never knew. So that was an eye-opening revelation for me, making me realize um, you got to get out <laughs> and yeah. you got to go start seeing some more of the world. And, and I mean, at that point, start just going to another city, you know? So just seeing more of what's out there, going to different events and stuff like that. Um, now granted, I had that opportunity a lot of times through the work side of my life, mm-hmm. but never through that personal social side. Oh, I see. So it's a different perspective, right? It's kind of like, well, work is going to take you here, but versus you choosing to go here. Right. So now I got to add on to that a little bit more, you know. And uh, from there, as we start kicking it, we would start. Uh, DeAndre, he was the real cut up one in the group. He was the one that was in shape. Okay. And um, he had the weight set in his garage. We would, after school, start kicking it more. We would go lift weights in the garage. And uh, I started falling in love with it. Um, so I would start doing that. And eventually I got a, my parents got me a weight set. Um, my uncle lifted weights as well, so I would be lifting with my uncle. I'm utilizing my weight set. I'm going between that and hanging out with my homeboys. And uh, it was beautiful, man. Yeah. So and that's what got sort of – that's where the fitness kind of started, actually. So it was kind of started early on yeah. in your life. Okay. In high school, okay. man. I was in high school. I'd say about 2005, okay. something like that. Or maybe I shouldn't have time stamped it because now people are going to start calculating. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, right around that time is when I started getting into it and um, started falling in love with it. And if I could backtrack too, yeah, I mentioned some of the things of, of growing up, but I also grew up uh, with a very negative mindset. Mm. So very different than how I like to move today. Negative mm-hmm. mindset, low self-esteem. Low confidence, no confidence, lack of self-esteem. Mm. Uh, um, you know, a lot of that, I think, came from my image, how I looked being a, uh, a darker-skinned black man yeah. in America and getting a lot of the 
negative influences that comes through media, through, you know, people who may be speaking ignorantly uh, and so many other avenues, not realizing the power and the reverence people actually have for for who I am, right. what I look like in my image, right? Didn't have that knowledge at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though, I, you know, I still have family showing me love and complimenting, but man, the, the grips and the gravity that the world has on you is so strong. So I still had to go through that that darkness, if mm-hmm. you will, right? Even having um, thoughts of uh, suicide ideation. Wow. Um, not to the point where I wanted to go through with it, but to the point where I know this is not healthy to be having this thought. Right. You know? So, yeah, as, as time got older, uh, as time went on, I grew into the habit of not looking into the mirror because I didn't like how I looked. Mm-hmm. And um, when we started doing the weight training and things like that, I remember I would pass by a mirror in the house or something like that. And um, I had to double back because in my peripheral vision, it looked different than what I was used to seeing. Uh-oh. So I couldn't, right. So I come back like, what the hell was that? I come back, I'm looking in the mirror. I'm like, this me? Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. You know, I'm starting to do, you know, on the, the superheroes, they come out of, they, they find their superpowers or uh-huh. something like that, and they look like a completely different person. I'm looking, I'm like, wait a minute, are these, yeah. are these muscles? <laughs> and, 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 and let me ask you, right, because you talked about how, like, you had low confidence. Like, mm-hmm. when you seen yourself from your reflection in that mirror, mm-hmm. did you begin to develop inner self-confidence? Immediately. Okay. It, okay. Was, it was immediately and heavy. Mm. It was dense. It was like um, if I was running on an empty cup, and I'm in the desert. It was like finding a water well in the desert. Wow. You know, Gushing Springs. It, it it filled me up so much in that moment to be able to see myself in that type of light. And really in the first time where I saw myself as as um, attractive. Mm. And then I really was like, whoa. And now at that point, I went the other way. Couldn't stop looking at me in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to find that balance, right? But um. Yeah, man. I At that moment, I knew that that's what I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. The feeling that that brought me, I, well, I will never forget. That's the feeling that I strive to provide people when I'm working with them. And and we're going to get there, right? Um, loving the conversation, by the way. And I know the audience is enjoying it moderating. as well. Um, also, let's continue the journey, right? So you come out of high school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and do you go to college or do you like further your education? Like, what does that look like for okay. Marcus Cargill? Yeah, I attended the finest academic athletic institution in the nation, Cal State Dominguez Hills. Uh-oh. <laughs> I know I just started a lot of beef right now when I said that. But uh, yeah, man, uh, went to Dominguez. Now, that was another interesting lesson, too, because a lot of lessons I learned in my life was – um, when I would try and go for something, mm-hmm. usually that first time it wouldn't work out in my favor. Mm-hmm. And then the second time I would go for something, it's kind of like they wanted me. I'll give you more examples as time goes on. But mm-hmm. what I mean by that is when I was in high school, keep in mind this this newfound confidence, this is all very new. Right. So a lot of uh, <laughs> mistakes and a lot of apathy was already displayed. So I didn't have the the best grades in high school, I figured I would go to, you know, I would start off at a uh, at a community college, which there's no knock on that. 
right. but because I didn't really have a plan for myself, that's where I was thinking I would start. Right. And then move on to something else after that. Um, so on the way there, also, before fitness was a thing and really took over, I was deeply in music, and I was going to go to school for music and, and animation. The, and the music is inspired by your father? Yes. Okay, okay. And, and, and I, my I grandmother, And too. I noticed you said animation as well. Could you talk a little bit about the I would inspiration that behind that? The animation, I would say, was inspired by my mother. My wow. mother draws and does photography and stuff like that, arts and crafts type things. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely, I, I'd say I picked that up off of her. And I was pretty deep in it. I had a, I got a portfolio a few inches thick of just a bunch of pictures I've drawn, putting together different characters, different backstories to the characters, different names, just putting together whole entire families and tribes, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so that's very much, I was very much in the drawing. Oftentimes I got in trouble for school because instead of doing the assignment, that's what I was doing instead. Right. right. Or, you know, instead of talking a lot in school, I was doing a, Hey, we all went through. You know what I'm saying? I was it was a whole era that. at that point. Yeah. And so I'm beatboxing on the table, so that's obvious. That's the music influence, right? So I'm out here. I'm supposed to be doing my schoolwork, but instead I'm drawing all day, and I'm doing music beats on the table, getting in trouble for both of those things, not realizing, oh, those are just things that I wanted to pursue. And under the right circumstances, you can make that happen. So right. anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> so let's let's. Because I'm loving this, right? Because, like, we're walking right into it as we go, but we're walking with it gracefully, right? Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, like, the experiences in college, right? You talked about how, like, the grades wasn't up to par in high school, right? Um, did you make uh, a, bit of, a bit more of an effort in college when it came to grades? And also, did you do your four years in Dominguez? Mm, yeah. Um, what helped me with school... Uh, the high school part, once I started playing football, you learn that you got to be eligible to a certain degree. Okay. So I was like, all right, well, I want to join the team. I want to play because I'm, I'm playing it with my homeboys and we're having a good time in the streets playing. So I'm like, all right, well, I want to actually join the organized team. Join the team, recognize you got to be eligible with a certain grade point average. At that time, too, I uh, enrolled in some honors classes. Now, here's the thing. This might be where there was like a moment of divine intervention because okay. I don't personally remember uh getting into these uh classes mm -hmm. so you know granted however it went out i'm grateful for it but because i was in those it helped me to bump up my gpa just high enough to remain both eligible and remain eligible to enroll in this equal opportunity program for dominguez okay so they had this equal opportunity program and you know um and the counselor at that time basically called a meeting. I had to go up to this meeting. And while we got there, he was like, all right, so everybody that came to this meeting, you are officially accepted into the school. Wow. And, again, I'm coming off of not being eligible right. at all based on the, the, the things, the qualifications required to be accepted. So once that happened, I look at that as another moment of divine intervention. I'm like, all right, Lord, that must mean you want me to be taking this route. So. Right. Let me sharpen up and let me really work on doing better. And um, and that's what I did. So I did end up at Dominguez uh, all four years, plus a couple of extra, and I'll tell you why in a moment. <laughs> but um, in between that, between the football and attending Dominguez, I 
learned through my own transformation and seeing the transformation for myself and other people seeing the fitness transformation, teammates, classmates, friends, etc., that um, people were starting to ask me a lot of questions. Yo, mm. what did you do to get in such good shape? And what did you do for this and that, etc.? And the questions started happening a lot. A lot of times I would start off, I'd be like, I don't know, I don't know. And after a while, you know, this might be my Virgo in nature, but I don't like to say I don't know. And I don't <laughs> like to not know things. I like to know things. Right. So it didn't take long before I started, you know, let me go read what this is about so I know what it is I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And uh, from there, I started having answers. And from getting so many questions, and this is in high school, I'm, I'm getting so many questions from people around me. I'm like, I wonder if you can get paid to ask. I wonder if there's a job you could take. I didn't know personal training was a thing. Right. Um, but through finding out, oh, there is. You know, I think probably went on the Internet, found out. So fast forward, went to the library, started reading books on personal training and, and the body and health reading muscle and fitness magazines that my mother got me a subscription to. So shout out to that. Too. Shout out to mom. And, um, you know, and I would just be running through those things. And that's what developed my knowledge base for a lot of that. Mm -hmm. So keep in mind, this is like from late high school to maybe summer school going to college. So you were figuring it out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm reading about it and I'm doing the practical part by actually doing it at the right. same time. Right. And I didn't realize how profound I was going to be in my later years, but that helped set me up for my knowledge base. A lot of times when you're in school, you have the part that they teach, and then you have the lab. At least when you're dealing with sciences, there's the part when you're in the classroom going over the concepts, then you're in the lab going over the practical application of those concepts. Mm. That's what I was doing um, with the training, right? I'm reading it, so that was my class time, mm -hmm. but then I'm doing it, you know what I'm saying? I'm reading about what, what stance you want when you squat, how low should you go on this, uh, you know, on this type of exercise? Yeah. How you should angle the bench press, so forth and so on. What areas you're going to be working on? What joints are, are getting pain and how to improve on that situation? Mm -hmm. And then I'm going in there and learning how to improve that myself in the lab, a.k.a. the gym. Right. So that gave me a knowledge base. So by the time I got to college, um, the upper division courses regarding a major were easy. That's where I learned and had another revelation. Oh, so, you know, if you actually just make time to educate yourself and to learn, even if you just go to the library and get a book out for free and just make time to study, you can learn and educate yourself on a lot of things. That's a fact. Yes, indeed. So now I look back. Now, granted, I don't take away the experience I got from being in school, but had I had an understanding of that earlier on, I could have likely, very likely, acquired a lot of the same successes without having gone to college because I was making time to educate myself. Mm. Please understand, I'm not saying don't go to college, but I am saying make time to educate yourself. And to your best ability, educate yourself, not only whether you're in school, but also definitely when you're not in school. Because Peace Coach, right? I love that you stated that because a lot of times there's so many different routes home, right? right, right we can right. take the freeway. We can take the streets. We can take the... Back streets, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many different ways and journeys that we can uh, pursue to mm -hmm. get to the end goal, right? And you're just eloquently explaining that we can either go to college, we right. can either choose to take the JC route, whatever that may look like, right? That's or right. maybe not go to college at all, but just self-study, right? Be in the pursuance of learning for yourself, right? Whatever that may look like. So I love you bringing that up. Um, 
also, let's continue walking. So did you, at that point, when you graduated from college, did you begin fitness, in, being an instructor, being a uh, professional fitness instructor at that point? Or like, what did after college look like for you? Oh, man. Um, I'm glad you're asking these questions because it helps me be more grateful on how a lot of things played out. So when I was in high school, I, was, I told you my father had a studio. And in this studio, he also had a warehouse. And in that warehouse, I started getting a knowledge base on, you know, how to deal with a lot of different people. Um, and we did a lot of media services, right? So CD audio and different things like that, printing up a lot of stuff. I did a lot of stuff in that warehouse. So, that, so I was already working while I was in high school. Um, in addition to that, uh, I'm, I'm my dad's unofficial official roadie as well, right? right? So if ever he had anything music-related he had to go do, I'm the roadie. I'm, I'm grabbing the amps. I'm setting things up, too, in that regard, too. Um, so I'm already working. But as I grow older, and here's that situation where I told you about getting denied the first time. Okay. So while that's happening, and I'm getting more into fitness round, right? Mm -hmm. And I go to the gym that I'm training at which was the, the YMCA in Gardena. <laughs> Shouts out to the YMCA. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and, um, and I asked uh, the manager at that time if they were hiring any trainers. And at that time, they were like, nah, we're not looking for anybody, basically. Get out of here, kid. What you talking about? Right. Um, but, you know, I continued on, kept working out there. And eventually, as I, I told you, I was reading, and eventually I, joined, I got enrolled into a personal training uh, certification course right and the, the teacher teaching that shout out to Richard thank you very much happened to be a former employee of the same YMCA wow. so come back around under under 12 months not even a year later he gives me I'm graduating at the top of that certification class right mm -hmm. I'm real tapped in um, I'm cool with him you know we had a, a good relationship you know so he served as a mentor for me for many years as a result to that and um, put in a good word for me at the YMCA. So pretty much once I graduated, right around the time I graduated, I already had a job. That's um, a blessing. I already had a job. And that's graduating high school, by, by the way. So I already had a job training. So I'm learning about it. I'm reading about it. I'm getting ready to go to college to, to major in it. And I'm working in it. So I'm gaining the experience at the same time. And so fast forward, the entire time I was in, I was working there as a trainer. I was majoring in kinesiology at uh, Dominguez. Okay. So I was always working and going to school at the same time. So the work pretty much never stopped. Pretty mm -hmm. much from about 2004 or 2005, I've never stopped working. I've always, gratefully, always had uh, some work to do. And that's a blessing from God because you also brought up from time in and time out, divine intervention, right? But that also was divine intervention, making a full circle back at that same YMCA, right? Where you were rejected. You talked about how, ah, go on here, get out of here, little kid, mm -hmm. right? Like, they didn't take you seriously, right? But right. it was only up until you put in a little bit more work, right? And I always tell my audience a lot of times, we have to put in the work, right? We have to make sure we know that if we don't do it for anybody else, we got to do it for ourselves, right? Indeed. Can I prove the point to myself first that I want it, right? Because if I prove to me that I want it, the people around me looking outside, looking in, 
will see that self-confidence that I'll have, that I'm wearing. And you wore that confidence from young. And your mentor seen that in you, right? He vouched for you. And you began to work and you continued on, right? And so I want to talk a little bit about, okay, so after college, right, we doing our own thing, right? We talked about how we began working with our father and whatnot, but also we were still working, right? The work never stopped. Right. I want to talk a little bit about what that after college lifestyle looked like, right? Mm. Because sometimes it, it can be a huge uh, transition, right? Because we're so conditioned to be, okay, like I got school, I need to focus on school, but now you're outside of school. What does that look like for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so granted, I go to Dominguez, and for those who don't know, Dominguez doesn't have a football team. Um, and I was playing when I left high school, right? But I still was missing football. So while I was going to Dominguez, at some point I you know, told myself, all right, well, I still want to play, so I'm going to go to a, a junior college not too far from there. And uh, one of my homeboys, shout out Spotville, <laughs> uh, we used to train at the YMCA together, and he okay. was playing at uh, L.A. Harbor College. So while I was at Dominguez, I was asking him because they were – he was, it was a good team. They won some state championships at that time or conference championships, something like that. And I wanted to compete with the best. I figured, all right, well, if I'm going to do this, I want to see uh, how well I can compete against the best of the best right. at that time. So got enrolled, and I'm at, while I'm at Dominguez, I'm playing also there. So I had to go part-time a little bit at Dominguez so I could be full-time at, um, at uh, L.A. Harbor because I wanted to play football, and that's what you needed for eligibility. Anyway, fast forward, it was great because in high school, that was a new sport, never played it before in my life. And, you know, I was able to, you know, I was no super all-star or nothing, but I was I was able to jump up from worst player to most improved player. The man, the, <laughs> the man is basically saying he was nice. Yeah. <laughs> and then from there, as I got into L.A. Harbor, um, same thing, I had to compete starting from the ground up, right? So I went from um, not getting too much action to now getting – by the time I left, by that second year, an opportunity to get picked up for a scholarship out of state. So that was what was in me that I was like, okay, I knew I could do it, and now I'm good. I don't need to go. I just needed to know that I could do it. Mm-hmm. So from that, from having very little experience in it to now an opportunity to be able to play out of state on a scholarship, that was great satisfaction that I needed. Mm-hmm. So I was grateful for that. Anyway, uh, I wanted to go back to that. So. As far as being at Dominguez and, and what does life look like after I graduate, I spent a little bit of time going to grad school, uh, and I was focused on, uh, I was pursuing a master's in education, curriculum, and why, instruction. Why education? <clears throat> I think at that time, the people that I was around and the things that I was doing, and I had a personal goal to want to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something that kind of came somewhat natural. And um, my father also was a teacher, so maybe there's some of that, too, that also rubbed off on me. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I wanted to pursue uh, education, and I figured I had an opportunity to be able to help the kids. And, you know, when I was pursuing my major, I knew I wanted to focus on a few different things. I wanted to do personal training, coaching, teaching, physical therapist, Mm -hmm. and pretty much in that order. So the education... It was like, okay, well, that's what you got to do next. Mm -hmm. But as I'm pursuing that, I I started to learn about the politics of education and how political it is and how a lot of 
bureaucracy is involved. And that really turned me off. And, and I don't know if that was done purposely or if that's just what I really felt deep down. But that, that, that bureaucracy just really threw me off. I'm like, you have an opportunity to change somebody's life, but you're not doing it because you don't want your fiscal year to get impacted negatively. Mm. Some about that just really rubbed me the wrong way. I couldn't get over that. Mm. Um, you know, they might, you know, when they're giving us these tattered books, a lot of times they have the new books already. Mm. But instead of giving you the new books that you can utilize and take it further, they're going to wait to the fiscal year and make sure that they can continue to have a nice budget provided by the city or provided by the state or whatever. So anyway, the politics of that just really threw me off and turned me off to wanting to pursue that because I didn't. If I'm going to make change, I want to make change with immediacy. Right. So moving forward, um, I said, okay, well, I, I don't need to be bureaucratic with the training. I can just give people results right now. Right. So I decided I would pursue that more full time. Um, and at that, and that's pretty much it. So I was about halfway through that program, and I realized, nah, this ain't it. This ain't it for me, at least right now at this point in my life. And it's beautiful, right, because we talked about how sometimes we have to go off track to right. get back on track, right? right? Because a lot of times what we thought we were interested in is not something that really is interesting for us, right? We, we don't have the motivation that we once had. And sometimes it's okay to deviate, right? To get back on track, right? Because, okay, don't always get discouraged like, man, I started this, but I don't have the motivation that I once had. It's okay. Maybe that's a redirection, right? That's a redirection to get you back directed. So I love you bringing that up as you continue. Yeah. So um, moving forward, I said, okay, well, I'm going to just pursue the training more seriously. Um, so I'm at the YMCA. I'm, I'm looking for management positions because I've been there all those years at this time. I've been pretty much the top trainer there. The whole entire time I would be there, I'm having clients back to back. So, you know, I figured, okay, well, I think I've shown my worth done that i've been very helpful uh in all the other departments of the place so you know manager on duty pretty much if none of the um, managers are there so i go for a management position and even with them knowing all this they didn't take me mm. um, they didn't accept me for the role and and that's somewhat okay even though i was a little salty about it but what really took me over was the person that they put in that position over me um was not more qualified. Mm. I'll just say it like that. <laughs> would you would you would you also say that it was the political thing as it well? Was, it was definitely that too. Okay. Right? okay. So learning, oh, okay, y'all were buddy buddy in the past. Right. So that right there burned me up. Mm -hmm. And so from there, I had another mentor in my life who was telling me from when I first started at the Y that I should have went to a different gym. So shout out to Mark. And this gym was called Equinox. Okay. Equinox. So once that happened, I told me like, okay, it's my time to get up out of here. Um, so I think I immediately I started applying to different equinoxes all throughout, and uh, and I was at that point I w I had such a chip on my shoulder, I was like, even if I gotta sleep in my if I gotta go far and I gotta sleep in my car to build it up, or I gotta sleep at the park with a sleeping bag just to build up my business to be able to. Uh, make something good happen, I'll do it. I'm cool with that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I was already ready mm. to make that type of transition. Mm. And um, and I still keep that mindset because, you know, just in, in the, just in case. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You never know. But um, so from there, 
I applied at the location in downtown. The manager at that time um, ultimately would ask me questions, and I noticed that I would always throw them off. And, you know, it could be because of my image or it could have been my disposition. Other things could have yeah. been involved, but um, I found it funny because he would ask me questions to see what I knew, and he was a lot of times surprised mm. that I knew the amount of information that I knew. Right. So I was always catching him off guard. And, you know, maybe he wasn't expecting somebody like myself to know what I what it is that I knew. Right. But, again, I've been studying for a long time now, right, at this And he point, didn't know that. He did not know that. So, you know, so fast forward, he ultimately rejected me. <laughs> cause, wow. Because he didn't, you know, he thought, oh, I guess I was being fake or something like that. I wasn't being authentic. Fast forward, he does forward my information or my information. Maybe this is another moment of divine intervention mm. because my for, my information gets forwarded to a location that was closer to where I lived, mm. right, into the South Bay area. And, um, and I talked to the guys there. One of the managers was had an interesting energy, but another one, shout out to Dumas. Mm -hmm. uh, we hit it off real smooth, and I ended up working there. Wow. And uh, so, again, it was another moment of, okay, well, well, we need you here, so let's make it happen. It was another moment in my life of getting rejected on that first time, and then the second time, they're coming to me. And, and see, Cargill, like, this is so beautiful, right, just listening in, right, because we talked about how, some, how sometimes we get discouraged with these rejections that we have, right, right? throughout our life. Sometimes right. we get discouraged enough to where, oh, man, I don't want to do it no more. Right. Maybe this isn't something that I'm supposed to do. Right. Maybe I need to figure out something else. What is it in the mind of Marcus Cargill? What was going on in the mind to where it was just like, nah, actually, I'm just going to keep going. Right. I, I want this. Even though people outside of me is rejecting me, that still doesn't discourage me to continue for what I want. Mm -hmm. Where was that mindset? Where did that mindset come from? And. What does that mindset look like? Mm. I think that mindset came from just being certain of myself. Mm. You know, I knew that this is what I was going to do, and you couldn't tell me otherwise. Yeah. You still can't tell me otherwise. Yeah. So there's no doubt in my mind. And uh, I suppose that's partly why I can talk so calm about it. I don't need to, to, I don't need to raise my voice for you to, to, for you to know how certain I am about it. Mm. So once my mind is set like this is how i'm gonna move that's it i might give some grace here and there to do some different things but if there's a desired outcome i'm i'm working on that's it that's what it's gonna happen mm -hmm. it's just a matter of time you know what i'm saying it might have to happen in a way i didn't expect it to happen but it's gonna happen period mm -hmm. um so i move with um, unwavering faith unwavering faith that's it so uh yeah, so then it happened. Now, here's a funny story about that. I, we need the stories. Yeah, so moving forward, so I'm at this place, and again, I still got this chip on my shoulder. I'm still mad. I'm still salty about the YMCA situation. Mm -hmm. So moving forward, I'm, I'm at this space now, and uh, I'm pretty much I'm taking a look at some of the OGs that's there, and then I'm looking at how I need to be moving. I'm taking in the orientation. Mm -hmm. And somewhere in there, I end up seeing that manager that denied me at one location wow. at this location. So he got transferred to manage this location that I'm at now. Mm -hmm. 
So he's seeing me like, oh, man, this is the dude I ain't want to have here. Now I got him on my team. So, again, another fire was lit. I'm like, hmm, okay. So fast forward, I end up um, climbing up the chart the fastest, right? So they have these, uh, basically there's a, a progress chart based on our systems and based on the amount of progress you should be making. We It's going to take us about this long to get to this position. Right. And I basically did it in about a third of the time. Mm. Basically, the, the, the projections that they were providing me, I think it was supposed to be six months, and I did it in about two. Wow. Um, but that's because, again, that unwavering faith, and I knew, I'm like, as soon as I get this opportunity to make it happen, I'm going to make it happen. And that's, that's what happened. And you just went for it. Yeah. So it was another one of those situations where I'm getting denied, people thinking I'm not not going to do too well to being at the top. And, uh, you know, so that happened a lot, right? It happened with the football. It happened with the YMCA. Mm -hmm. Now it happened here. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it was just same old story in my situation. And I, and I think this is a great transition, right, to talk about the seven Fs that you encourage the people that you work with, mm -hmm. also the people who you so happen to associate yourself around, right? Like, you talk about, like, the seven uh, Fs of peace, right? And you talk about faith being one of them, family being one of them, friends, fitness, finance, fashion, and food. But I want to go through each and every one of them, right? Like, the inspiration behind it and why they are the seven Fs uh, of peace for Marcus Cargill, also the peace coach, right? So can we talk a little bit about faith? Yeah. Um, a lot of people will tell you that they believe in God, they have faith in God, God's going to help them do a lot of great things mm -hmm. and um, fulfill a lot of the wants and needs. Um, but the faith is not necessarily to, it's not in that regard. The faith in this regard is to acknowledge the God in you. So, you know, you're telling me that, but if you truly believe in God, are you really going to be always in a state of fear all the time? If you truly believe in God, are you going to be as fearful as you are? Right. Or are you going to have more faith over fear? You know what I'm saying? How much faith do you truly have in yourself? Because if you don't have that much faith in yourself, I don't know how much you believe in God. Right. You know what I'm saying? So. The faith is really not necessarily whether you believe in God or not. The faith is how much faith do you have in yourself? How much do you acknowledge to God within? Mm. We acknowledge to God without, but we don't acknowledge to God within. Mm. And if you come from the creator, then you are a creation. So how much do you acknowledge the creation that came from the creator? I love it. And, and, and we, we also have family as mm -hmm. one of those seven Fs. Can we talk a little bit about family? Yeah. Family is the portion where these are your your primary relationships or prime relationships. These are the relationships you're born into. You didn't necessarily uh, choose, at least physically maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe on a different way you chose, but in, on this spiritual plane maybe. But on the physical realm, you were born into it. Right. So in that sense, it is what it is. So you want to make the best out of that. You know, some people have really close relationships with their family. Some people are not 
so close to their family. Mm-hmm. But th- whether that is the case or not, this is your opportunity to manage relationships. Right. Be more mindful on the relationships you're managing within your family. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, the people that's helping, there's, there's going to be people that are either helping you or harming you. And if there's, whether they're family, friends, or otherwise, but being mindful to manage these relationships so that it aligns with the ultimate goal of being more at peace, being able to manage the relationships so you end up more at peace with people. I love it. I love it. And as we continue, shouts out to the Peace Coach, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. We are getting a mouthful, a words of wisdom. We are getting the energy necessary to further our careers, further our mindsets, right? Like the seven Fs as we continue. Uh, we, we have friends here, right? Where does, mm-hmm. where does friends come in at? Friends is, I would say, the second level from that social side. And now this is where you get to proactively choose, you know, who's going to be in your circle, right, and eventually graduate into that family side. But this is who you proactively choose. So me being a part of the Giants Den, I wanted to be in an organization of men that look like me. Shouts out to the Giants Den, by the way. Leadership Network for Black Men. That's right. And – organizations and and proactively being mindful like who do I need to be spending more time with if I'm trying to get to this position or if I'm trying to be successful I know I want to be around successful people I want to be around go-getters myself so forth and so on so your friends you get to actually choose who it is you're going to be spending more time around so this is all based on wherever you're at in life so that's the friends portion and I see fitness here right um, Where it all I have started. A, I have an idea, right? Um, but I, we'd love to hear from you exactly where fitness came yes. in at. Right? Fitness is where it all started for me personally as far as my own journey towards more peace mm-hmm. um, and acquiring more peace in my life. It was the fitness part that started that. Fitness, the, the gym for me was my church, right? Mm. And the exercise was my prayer, mm. so forth and so on. And, um, yeah, so you got to have a fitness portion in there but also moving forward is recognizing that when you're more fit you're automatically more competitive you're more prepared for what's going to occur in life Mm -hmm. so yes I'm talking from physical but also there's mental spiritual implications as well Mm. when you're more mentally fit when you're more spiritually fit you're more prepared for a lot of the challenges that will be provided in life and that's so true um because as you know right like I do calisthenics right Mm -hmm. like i do burpees push-ups pull-ups you know i'm saying dips i do everything calisthenics and whatnot and the mental um growth but also what it does mentally for me that is essentially my therapy right fitness but in that calisthenic realm i am literally away from it all it's just me and whether or not i can get through this workout Right. It's really essentially me versus me. I have to conquer self to get to the other side of me. How dope is that? But it also comes from fitness. So I wanted to also add that in because that's so powerful. That also brings me peace, fitness. But you also talked about finance as one of that uh, key components to peace. Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit about finance? Yes, indeed. So, um, on one side of that, it's the 
So that's one part of it, you know, finances, getting your finances straight. Um, but it's the methodology that I want you to think about and how you get your finances straight. Mm. First, be mindful of your work. Work is a big pillar. And I told you that was a big part of my upbringing. Right. So this is naturally a part of something that I've always pretty much held some value to. Mm-hmm. But more so, be mindful of the things that you're good at. Be mindful of your strengths and learn how to get finance basically to be able to leverage your strengths in your favor. Mm. If you're good at speaking, you should be seeking like as you are biased, seeking some form of understanding on how can I, you know, be well off with utilizing my gift of speech. Mm. You know what I'm saying? If you're good at calisthenics, start thinking now, what can I be doing to leverage my ability to do this calisthenics well to the world. Mm-hmm. So when I talk finance, it's sort of like be more mindful of your strengths, the things that you're good at, and build your work around what you're good at mm-hmm. because everybody has a purpose. And, you know, like a lot of times in in the, in the male spaces nowadays, you hear a lot of, hey, you got to stay on your purpose, homeboy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. You hear that a lot nowadays. Yeah. But a great way to stay on your purpose is to know what your passions are. Say that. And, and when you pursue your purpose via your passions, it'll be a lot easier to put in that work. I think I think I enjoy, I think I'm happier doing 80 hours of something that I enjoy than someone else doing 40 hours of something they don't enjoy. And people probably wouldn't understand that. Could you talk a little bit about just like, why, because some people probably look at that like, what, 80 hours? Right, but talk a little bit about like not, the focus on like the hours being put, but the enjoyment right. of what is being done. Right, exactly. Um, when you enjoy what you do, it hardly feels like work. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you're not really thinking about the hours like that. But yes, there are going to be some hours that get racked up, right. especially as you acquire mastery. Right? That takes a certain amount of hours. Right. As you set up certain goals that you have for yourself and there's a certain position you want to be in that also requires a certain amount of hours you know and it requires also an awareness of seasons Mm -hmm. i'm not even if you are let's say working 80 hours that's not to be happening likely for the rest of your life unless you choose to Mm -hmm. but it's to utilize that to help position yourself so that you don't have to do that right for the rest of your life right right so right now i spend a lot of time working because I'm in a very work a lot season so that I can spend um, my later years and to a certain degree my not so later years being able to work more liberally Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to put in a huge workload all the time Mm -hmm. so because of that I need to do it now on the front end so I can have a little bit more flexibility on the back end I love it I love it and and it's so beautiful, right? Because I always live by this whole thing where do what you have to do now so you can reap the rewards later on in life, right? Mm-hmm. Focus on what needs to be focused on right now. Put in right. the grind. Put in the work. Put in the dedication necessary to reap the rewards, the benefits. Reap the fruit of your labor, right? Also, we have fashion as one key component 
um, that falls under the seven F's of peace. Can we talk a little bit about fashion? Yes. Fashion. That's how you're fashion. Some people might be, quote, unquote, old-fashioned, uh, right, in their disposition, the way they carry themselves and their values. Some people may be fashionable in the things that they wear. Um, and so that's sort of a fashion in both an internal and an external context, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The key word to the fashion in this regard that I think will help make this make more sense is alignment, mm. making sure your inside and your outside align. Mm. Example, you're in the fitness industry, the fitness field, I'm a personal trainer, so a large part of my uniform will be something that's well-fitted to be able to display, oh, yeah, I do lift some weights now. All right, I need you to know, right? So you're being able to see that, but also you're able to see that what it is you see on the outside is a reflection of what's happening on the inside. That's so true. You know what I'm saying? It is because I work on the body and working on these muscles, working on the mindset necessary mm. to help develop these things that I can wear something on the outside that speaks of that. Mm -hmm. So, again, it's in alignment. I'll give you another example of something that might not be in alignment. You're telling me you want to be the president of the United States. When you picture a president, what is he usually wearing? Uh, suit and tie, tuxedo. Right. So you got on house shoes and some khakis with the stain on the, on the leg. You know what I'm saying? You're a pro club crispy, so shout out to that. You know what I'm saying? You got some Nikes on. Now, that's beautiful if that's what you got on and it's in alignment with what it is you want to do. But understand that if you're trying to move and you want to be the president, and you know that that's how the presidents move, yeah, you might at some point with seniority and, and paying your dues, where it's a situation like that, you want to be in alignment. So just being mindful again from the presidential standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to put those two pieces together. Just make sure you're in alignment. And that's so beautiful, right? Because you talked about how like you got to fit to par, right? You talked about how if you want to become the president, you have to look worthy enough of becoming the president, right? Sometimes that fashion, you have to be mindful of the... Talk yes, about it. yes. Your style speaks. Right. You know what I'm saying? Before you even open your mouth, you're telling the world, to a certain extent, a part of yourself. Right. So whether you're dressing, you know, whether you got the leather coat and the boots, the leather jacket and the boots with the jeans... Uh, or whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. just recognize that your style speaks, and it's speaking about who you are. So right. it's great when you know who you are and you dress in correspondence with who you know you are. You know mm. what I'm saying? So that was a, that was the good one right there. That was a good one. Um, also, right, last but not least, we have food. Mm -hmm. We have food as one of those uh, key components to peace. Yeah. Why food? Food, and yes, there's the physical food, your fruits, your vegetables, etc. Mm -hmm. But also, the food is whatever it is you consume, whether that be through food, through people, through the media, through the news, the things that, the thoughts that you take on, the words that you take on from people. Whatever it is you consume helps to create you. So it's important to be mindful of 
what food are you taking in? Mm. When you are on social media and you're on your Instagram, for example, are you going solely for what you like or are you proactively curating it in such a way that it's helping to make you, it's helping to forge you into the person that you want to be? Right. Right? So, yeah, I got a couple pages I might look at for uh, the beauty purposes, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. I can acknowledge some beauty from right. time to time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I get it. But largely be thinking of, you know, when you're on your page, when you're scrolling through, how many, how much of that is talking about how to improve your finances, how to improve your health, meditation, prayer, how to improve your relationship with God. And ladies and gentlemen, by the way, I just want to double down. When he talks about food in this context, he's talking about the mindset. Keep yes, going. Yes, indeed. And again, food pages you follow, that's talking about how to meal prep, you know what I'm saying, how to be a better person in the world, how to be more philanthropic. How much of it, when you scroll up and down your page, is dedicated to you being a better person overall, mm. right? So the things you consume, you become. Oh, that's so true. That's right? so true. So if you have nothing but bad in your diet and that's all you consume, at some point, that's going to be what you made of. Mm -hmm. And then you have all these health conditions, and you're wondering why. You know why. Don't act silly. And so it goes the other way around, too. All the things that you consume, you become a, uh, 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 the byproduct is you. So whatever you're consuming, that's what you become. That's so true. And it's so beautiful. As we wrap up the seven Fs, right? Shouts out to Marcus Cargill. That's such a beautiful um, uh, uh that's, that's such a beautiful thing to offer to the world, right? The seven F's of peace. And I just want to um, go back into it. We have faith, family, friends, fitness, finance, fashion, and food. I want the audience to take that with them everywhere they go. That is something that can be utilized in the betterment of self. So as we make the transition, right, I want to talk because when, I, when I've known you for maybe about a year and some change now, right? And I understand that every time that we engage conversation and I watch your movements on social media and whatnot, like I understand that I am dealing with a different breed here, right? But I also wanted to ask you, what separates you from the crowd? Mm. Because because it's, 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 it's one thing to catch a sheep amongst uh, a crowd, right? But... It's one thing to catch a wolf by himself, a leader by himself, but I view you as such. I view you as a leader, right? A confident individual who goes for what it is that's out there to be gotten. So my question again, what separates Marcus Cargill, the peace coach, from the crowd? Mm. Let's get into it. That's a phenomenal question, Bias. Your questions would be top tier, I got to tell you. I'm truly thankful. I need I need to stretch my hamstrings. I wasn't. <laughs> I was not prepared for such an athletic event. Now, nah, um, hmm. I think the best way to answer that question, what separates me from folks, um, is I know myself mm. and I accept myself as I am. And I recognize that that's somewhat subjective right the, the degree to which i know myself will be ever expanding sort of like the universe mm -hmm. however i'm also acknowledging that 
the knowledge base that I do know of myself, I accept it as well, mm. right? So I'm pretty much at a point where in my life where I accept me as I am. I know the things that I like, the things that I value, and I pretty much don't move away from that. Mm. I appreciate those things. I welcome differences and, and contrast from people, mm -hmm. but I know what it is I am, what I'm about, and I accept that, right? I know, how can we say? Kind of like how they talk about, uh, <laughs> you might hear them talk about nice guys, bad boys. Yeah. You know, I'm this, uh, gangsters. Right. Pimps, blah, blah, blah. The whole whatever. nine. The whole nine. Pastor, however you want to look at it, mm -hmm. right? I'm just Marcus. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, maybe there's little nuances of each of those things or however you want to look at that. Um, but I'm just myself. I'm not like, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. Or, or he remind me of so-and-so. Or he act just like so-and-so. You might find some similarities. But at the end of the day, I think what I the feedback that I get from a lot of people is, you know, I don't, I've not really met anybody like you. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I think I agree with that. That's, so, that's actually one of the dopest compliments, right, in a world where – uh, it's so saturated with people who want to be like other people who people emulate, yeah. right? Literally. That right there you is know, what got me. Talk um, about it. I had. Uh, and, and, and I just want to add some context. Like, this, there's nothing wrong to emulate those right, around. Right, like right, right, Emulate certain uh, uh, attributes, right? right? Certain ca characteristics. But and make also, it your own. Right. Make sure you, ca you keep that personality, right. that self-identity for self. Don't be... Literally the uh, uh, epitome of someone else. So, as you continue. No, I just, uh, growing up, one of the other experiences that I had in between the details of the stories I shared earlier, mm -hmm. a lot of times growing up, I had a lot of moments where I oftentimes recognized at a young age that I was different from a lot of people I was around. Mm. Um, and not in, I don't say that in a bad way or anything like that. It's just I recognize I'm different. Right. It is what it is. Uh, however, because of that low confidence and self-esteem at that time, mm -hmm. I spent a lot of my years coming up doing my best to fit in mm. rather than to stand out. Because usually I would stand out in a some kind a, of way. A lot of, a lot of us went through that, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, every time I would do my best to, <laughs> to fit in, it did not work mm. to my favor. Good things did not happen. Mm. Um, the moment I started to just stand out as I was and just embrace standing out, that's when a lot of beautiful opportunities would come together. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I became a magnet for a lot of the opportunities that came into, into my life and people that came into my life and, and opportunities. And, and, and Marcus, like, that's so beautiful, by the way, man. But in that response to what separates from you from the crowd, you also said, I'm just Marcus, right? But my next question is, who is Marcus Cargill, right? Ooh. Who better to ask oh, my Lord. than the individual <laughs> that I'm posing that question to, right? Who is Marcus Cargill? Mm. If people didn't know or didn't tap in to this interview, what it is that you would tell them that I have a clear understanding of who Marcus Cargill is? Wow. Let's get into it. That is a great question. Truth seeker, truth speaker, we are in the building. Man. I think in a situation like that, the first thing I would say 
maybe this will be a two-part answer. First thing I would say is, if you have to go around telling everybody you are smart, you're intelligent, you're the best, if you have to be the one going around telling everybody that, mm, I don't know how much weight that holds compared to when everybody around you is telling you that. I think there's a little bit more validity there. Mm -hmm. So that's one part of my answer. Mm -hmm. Now, the second part of my answer, if I'm going to be a little bit more ego-driven, um, who is Marcus Cargill? Marcus Cargill is a healer. Marcus Cargill is a revolutionary. And the way that I heal people and the way that I help prov contribute to the revolution here and making this world a better place and making people healthier um, is first doing it with myself mm. and, and being a renaissance man to myself, being a healer to myself. My goal whenever I'm interacting with people um, is to contribute to their welfare. My goal is that they can leave more at peace, that they can leave a better person, our interactions, more at peace, and whatever that may look like. I know I'm a good listener, so I know that that helps a lot too. It sure does. Um, so, yeah, if I were to say how I'm going to show up in people's lives, I'm going to show up as um, a place of peace. And I don't think that's ego-driven. I think that's just, like, who you are and the approach you have in this world. Like, a lot of times I feel like, as individuals, we need to know for sure what it is that or what role do we play in society. One of my episodes that I titled, right, because you talked a little bit about the roles that you play. You are a healer, right? Like these, these, these key components of who you are and how you approach life with, right? You also talked about being a healer and also uh, being a revolutionary, but also that I just can't help but think about the seven Fs of peace, right? That also is attributed to who you are, right? But that is also something that you offer to the world. That is also uh, contingent upon Marcus Cargill. This is who you are, right? So I wanted to double down and just let us know that that's something that isn't ego-driven, right? That's something that this is who I am. Take it or leave it, right? Either you can opt in or opt out. So mm. I want to get into just a little bit about, like, your opinion, right, of what's the definition of a man in your opinion, right? Because there's so many facets of a man. And who better to ask than a man but also – um, getting getting past the surface of what a man is, right? Like, what's the definition of a man, in your opinion? Mm. The definition of a man, I think, goes right back to those seven Fs. I think the definition of a man, if I'm going to use those seven Fs, he's going to have strong faith in himself. Um, because when you believe in yourself, you can allow, you, you become a strong, uh, in, in practicing the law of attraction, becomes very strong for you. I think with, when it comes to family, being a man, mm -hmm. you're going to, again, as I mentioned earlier, you're going to be able to provide some healing to that family. You're going to be able to provide healing to those friends. And you're going to be able to have an expansive uh, network of friends that allows you to be more resourceful because a man is going to be great at being collaborative and, and, and providing value to their friends, provision to their family. 
from a financial standpoint, I think you'll be financially rich. And I say rich in the sense that you'll be able to do what it is you want to do. And that doesn't mean you need a million. Sometimes you may only need 50000 to do what it is you need to do. Sometimes you may only need 20000 to do what it is you need to do. So whatever that looks like, you'll be able to do what it is you need to do. It's mm -hmm. going to be tied in with your purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and then, again, going back to the, the, the network that you have, you can make it work because you're going to be working together with people. I think when it comes to your fitness, you're going to be in great shape because you have to be competitive with the world, with the trials and tribulations. You're going to have to persist through a lot of things. So I think you're going to be fit physically, but also mentally. You'll be reading. You'll be reflecting, journaling. You'll be listening to audiobooks, podcasts, like the Truth Seeker, Truth Speaker podcast. Truth Seeker, Truth Speaker, we in a building. <laughs> um, you'll be mindful to be more fashionable because you're being more mindful of your image and how you're going to be perceived and portrayed in the world. Mm. You're going to be more mindful of how you carry yourself and you're going to be more detail-oriented, mm. which is why what's going to make you fashionable. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be mindful of the things you consume, from the food that you eat to the information and the knowledge that you take in. And finally, I'm going to add an eighth F to this. Mm. You're going to be a fighter. Mm. Make, sure you, make sure you are... Near a pen and paper, adding the eighth key component to the seven Fs. This is mm -hmm. addition. Yep. A fighter. Yes, indeed. You're going to be a fighter. And that may look like something from the martial arts standpoint, being able to have some hands and feet to be able to defend yourself and to defend others. Um, and also, again, just when it comes to life, you got to be able to fight. You're going to have to persist through things. You're going to have to persevere, right? Martin Luther King didn't necessarily throw punches, but he definitely had to fight to mm. be able to make a lot of the successes that he made. Mm. The same goes for um, Malcolm X. Mm. Same goes for Marcus Garvey mm. and so many other powerful revolutionaries, Patrice Lumumba, mm. so forth and so on. We can keep going. So I think that's what makes a good man is those seven Fs, and we're going to add that eighth one, that fight. Yo, first and foremost, shouts out to you, my brother, because it's one of those things where certain questions and certain responses, you get to see the mindset of individuals you're dealing with, right? You get to see how in-depth they are, right? Is, is it in pursuit of, let me give surface responses, right? But you take your time, right? You're uh, critically going through the motions of trying to make sure you put certain words together to make it uh, in a format that's digestible, right? Uh, in a format to where, wow, I do understand completely where this individual is coming from. And not only that, but I also get a glimpse of uh, this man's mindset, right? So I do appreciate your responses, but to give you a follow-up question, right? How important is the balance between masculinity and femininity in a man, and why, right? Extremely important, extremely important. Let's get into it. I actually wrote some notes on, uh, on that, actually. So it's funny that you bring that up. Um, when it comes to masculine and feminine in a man and in women, like we both, just to break it down in that sense, we both have um, 
essences of masculinity and femininity. This is true. Us. However, I think we're like as most people, as many people may be dominant on with the left hand or the right hand. Mm -hmm. I think in this case, oftentimes you're going to see with the men, we're going to be working towards sitting more in our natural essence of masculinity. Mm -hmm. Now, again, we may have both. Um, but I think you'll find more often than not, things tend to be more favorable as far as outcomes are when we have a good balance of that masculinity and femininity and being able to lean into that masculine. Right. You know what I'm saying? Just a little bit heavier. And the ladies leaning into that femininity, just a little bit heavier. So would you would you also say that I'm gonna add to that too. And would you also say that that is like our natural essence, right? As a man, it is natural for a man to be uh, dominantly in his masculine. And for a woman, it is her natural essence to be more dominant in her femininity. I would say collectively, yes. And then there are some exceptions. And I think in today's time, as far as our community particularly, and just with a lot of things happening in society nowadays, there's a lot of... Um, malleability there's a lot of moving around nowadays a lot of mobility in that regard and I think a lot of it is I don't think many people are aware of their energies of their spirits in that way mm. and so what I mean by that is I'll tell you I would say me personally I think I grew up more heavily in my feminine um, than I did in my masculine so a lot of the my experiences growing up I'm in music, I'm in, I'm in the arts, I'm being more creative, and oftentimes that's attributed to being more in the feminine space. Um, yeah, I might do a, a little bit of roughhousing, but, you know, I didn't like too much of the roughhousing. I wasn't a fan of that. Um, I told you I didn't get into playing sports until uh, late in high school. So learning, oh, this is how the coaches talk to you. They're going to call you something, <laughs> not your name. Hell you yeah, hell yeah. I had to get used to that. Oh, yeah. I was not prepared that that's how, you know, a lot of men interacted with young men. And whether it's good or bad, that's neither here nor there at this time. But just saying that the, the interactions between uh, women and men and men to men are very different. And I had to learn that in my later years. Now I'm in a space where I have so much appreciation for it because I recognize the importance of that. And I look back like, okay, I'll be more mindful, you know, and, I have my children. I'll be mindful on how that needs to be happening. Right. But um, but you you definitely you need both masculine and feminine, and I'll tell you a couple reasons why. Um, going back to some hermetic principles, mm. if you will, the law of polarity. Um, you need order and chaos, mm. masculine, feminine. You need structure and spontaneity, mm. masculine, feminine, and and you need yin and yang, right? And even within the yin and yang, you have the pieces within the yin and yang that has a little bit of the opposite within it. Mm -hmm. When it comes to, if you have too much structure and no spontaneity, you become too rigid, right? So you might be leaning too much into that rigidity. You have too much spontaneity and no structure. Now you're too, maybe too much of a wild card mm. and now needing to find more structure to balance you out. That structure, if you're very rigid, you may need a little bit of spontaneity to loosen you up. So, you know, even when it comes to the body, you have the masculine and feminine. You have the stability, 
of the weight training and strength. You have the mobility of the cardio, the flexibility of the yoga. That might look like, yeah, you can do some weight training, but also you can do some yoga. You can stretch and be flexible. So you need both. You need that ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, yes, you do need that balance, I think, ultimately to be in that space. A, a, a healthy man, I think, is going to possess both masculine and feminine. Mm. Yo, you broke that down so eloquently, right? Because a lot of times how we look at masculinity in modern society, uh, being men, we may look at it as a, being obnoxious, being rough, being loud, uh, maybe being a little abusive, um, you know, uh, even being chaotic, but that chaotic energy is really in the feminine, right? Like, it's a, it's a, it's a feminine energy, but it's a feminine energy that... And that's not to, to be... say that it's negative either. Right. Because a lot of times make sure we don't may convey that. that as a negative thing. Right. And I'm not at all saying. You need some chaos. You need that because that's what allows you to be able to grow. Right. Talk about you it. You know, childbirth, I imagine many people would have to say that it's very chaotic mm -hmm. given the choices between orderly and chaotic, mm -hmm. right? But you're literally bringing life into the world. Right. The opportunity to change the world through this beautiful moment. Of and Marcus, also chaos can be going through the motions. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Chaos could be going through the emotions, yeah. right? And understanding that uh, women... Well, actually, it's funny because modern society has it that men are a bit more emotional than uh, women at this mm -hmm. point, right? So mm -hmm. I love the fact that you talked about, well, in today's society, in modern society, there's men who are, are sometimes dominantly in their feminine and women dominantly in their masculine, mm -hmm. right? So the the, the, it interchanges, right? Mm -hmm from all walks of life. So I, lo I love you bringing that up. Yeah, um, I've had situations too, even in uh, dealings with women or in relationships with women or even dating, uh, being able to see that masculine, feminine uh, playing with each other. Yes. Sometimes I was the more masculine one. I recognize uh, there were times when I ended up being in the more feminine role, mm -hmm. which did not work, mind you. <laughs> But I had to become aware of that. Right. And um, in times where generally my better successes personally was when I was in that masculine role, even though I'm aware that one can do both and one can experience both. Um, I've had enough experiences to recognize in that case there was one side that was more favorable. And see, it's so beautiful, right? Because it goes back to where I talked about how like our natural state, right? Right. But diving into the polarity, right, between man and woman, the, the polarity between, okay, figuring out if I stay in my masculine and she stays in her feminine, this polarity exchange uh, is one of uh, positive. It's one of not uh, toxic uh, nature, right? Like, right. Because essentially that is our nature, our natural state, right? The man and the woman, the, the yin and the yang. You talked about, you saw the masculine and the feminine in play, right? But they, they have to dance, right? But at any moment, that dance can be switched around, right? So you also talked about the awareness of it. We have to also, and I'll talk a little bit about that. Actually, I talk a lot about 
that in on the truth seeker, truth speaker, intentionality, right? But intentionality is also being intentional on how you are showing up, mm-hmm. not only for self, but how you're showing up outside into the world, right? Who are you, right? Making sure wherever you go, you are representing yourself, whether it's in a masculine frame, in a feminine frame, uh, in a logical, critical frame, whatever frame that looks like. You have to be intentional every step of the way. And when you are unintentional is when the gaps happen, is when you become uh, infiltrated, right? Is when the, the, the frame is penetrated at that point, right? So, could you talk to, could you talk a little bit about frame control right and the intentionality behind frame control hmm. frame control being able to stay in frame mm-hmm. so to speak i think you have to you have to be at peace with yourself to a certain extent you have to have a good awareness of who you are um what works for you your values that way you can Remain on your square. If ever someone tries to violate your boundaries or tries to take you off your square, you could remain grounded there. Right. And that requires a level of, a good level of awareness. Also, I would say to help stay in frame is to focus on being present. You might get, you might be in a situation or an environment that could be a little bit uh, sporadic or, or, a situation or a conversation is said that can create some nervous energy within you. And even when that is the case and when that does occur, being able to there it is, slow down, take a breath, and then approach whatever it is you need to approach. That way you're not going into it with an anxious energy right? and ready to fall out of your frame, ready to act a fool. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you feel the desire to move extremely quick but you know it's happening out of reaction Mm -hmm. that's when you got to slow down even more Mm. you know what i'm saying so it's 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 almost like you have to pace yourself you gotta in this life right like it's a journey at the end of the day like we're not gonna finish it all at once sometimes we have to take certain steps to get to those other steps but maybe those other steps aren't today maybe those other steps aren't Tomorrow, but those other steps will eventually come. Mm-hmm. This is a journey, right? This is a marathon, essentially, where we are running our race. This isn't a competition on, I'm going to get there before you, right? This is a competition of self. Can I do it, right? You have to continuously challenge yourself to push forward in whatever capacity that looks like. Because like you said, my brother, we have to pace ourselves. We have to sometimes crawl before we walk. That's right. So I think that's the main thing, man. Being able to pace yourself when it comes to stuff like that goes a long way. And also it helps you learn how to remain collected under times of duress. You're going to need that. Because if you're just operating in response to everything uh, and reacting to everything versus having a standard uh, a standard of procedure and how you're going to respond and you're reacting to everything. It, it's going to take your emotions all over the place. It's going to take your energy all over the place. And now you're not able to focus and you're not able to get done what it is you need to get done. I think that happens to us a lot. So moving forward, 
here's something that you all can do. This is another pen and paper moment. Listen in. Listen in, ladies and gentlemen. Here's something you can focus on doing. First, recognize when it comes to, because we're, we're going to, we're basically, we're going to call this emotional intelligence, being more intelligent of your emotions and having a stronger, healthier relationship between that. When it comes to your emotions and you feel like reacting to things, you got to learn how to slow down. And I say it because this, when you, when we first are hit with a stimulus, we respond to the stimulus. The stimulus, whatever that may be, travels through the brain in this order, through your limbic center first, and I believe it's your frontal lobe after that. Now, your limbic center is where we process emotions. So naturally, we all are emotional beings at our core. That's how we receive stimuli, is through our emotions first. Then it travels to the frontal lobe where we process it logically. So you have to give yourself a little bit of time to be able to figure out how you're going to process it logically. All right? So somebody might say something and you don't like the way they said it. Or if somebody come across you like, I don't like that man. I don't know why. Something about him. You got to give yourself enough time to figure out what it is that you don't like. Right. Maybe it's intuition, but still, you know, versus just reacting off of that. You know, that might, that might, now granted, going off your intuition could be good, but that might not always be the most favorable decision to make. Mm -hmm. So give yourself enough time to let it sit a little, just a little bit longer. This is why you got to take in that deep breath. Let that oxygen, oxygen get to your brain so you can give your brain some fuel and re really think before you react. Focus on responding versus reacting. Mm. I hope you guys are listening in, ladies and gentlemen, because this is us essentially wrapping up, right? But before we wrap up, right, because you talked about emotional intelligence. But how important is emotional intelligence, right, as far as dealing with people? But you talked about making sure you aren't quick with the responses, right? But how does one form a certain level of emotional intelligence? One forms emotional intelligence, being more aware of their emotions, being more aware of their thoughts that follow their emotions, knowing themselves. And from knowing yourself, you can get a better understanding of knowing others, knowing mm. people. Because emotions and emotion, emotions make the world go round. So mm. the more you understand emotions, the more you can deal with people. It's sort of like when you come across people and they're a people person. Chances are they have a, a strong level of emotional intelligence. Mm. And then you got some people who can't seem to get along with a lot of people. They may need to work on their emotional intelligence. Right. So you find yourself, you tend to have to cut off a lot of people all the time, different things like that. You might want to check your emotional intelligence or check what your understanding of that is. Mm. Um, maybe there's some merit to it, but if you have to constantly be cutting a bunch of people off all the time, you may need to check where your emotional intelligence lies. And to pause right there, because there's probably a few listeners that are probably thinking, but Peace Coach, sometimes you have to, along our journeys, our individual journeys, we have to cut people off, right? But I don't want them to get that confused on your point of cutting people off. If you are deliberately cutting people off every step of the way because you feel some type of way, that is contingent upon 
And that is consistent with the lack of emotional intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. But if there's certain listeners that are tuning in and just like, well, peace coach, in my journey, there are certain people where I may get to a certain level and for some reason they can't fit into that level. But I won't drop my level down to be consistent in eye contact with that certain individual. I have to cut that person off because now at this point, I'll be weighing myself down. So I wanted to add that on to your uh, point because you are raising a good point, but there's also another point outside of that where in our journeys, we do have to cut people off from time to time. Even sometimes those certain people who we thought we would ride with the whole way through, those certain individuals at that, at that point, it is up to you now to whether you are going to hinder your process in the pursuit of success, right? Or you have to do that painful decision of cutting that individual off. So I just wanted to add that on to my brother uh, Marcus Cargill's point as you continue. Uh, you got it. Um, so that's pretty much it. It's just emotional intelligence is a great way to continue to get to know yourself and, and to know people. And... You have to be mindful not to maybe take things personal, right? So there's books, there's podcasts, there's articles, you know, emotional intelligence book is maybe a good one to start with if, you, if you're looking for something like that. And just being able to give yourself more grace and compassion. When you give yourself more grace and compassion, you can also give that to others, mm -hmm. right? Because a lot of times, you know, we're all being human. So sometimes our humanity shows. And so long as it's not a big, big non-negotiable, Give some people some grace mm -hmm. to, you know, make a mistake here and there. It's not the end of the world. You don't have to be so quick to cut off unless that's truly a value. But right. just be mindful, right? If you have to cut everybody off all the time and people make the world go round, mm. who are you going to be able to work with? You can't work with nobody because you cut everybody off all the time. That's hard. Because, you know, they told you something. And then the other reason why is why are you cutting them off? Right. You cutting them off because they be calling you out when you deserve to be called out, or you are they actually doing something that's of harm, mm. or did they just have to humble you real quick and you don't like how you felt? Mm. We also have to make sure we hold ourselves accountable, right? The same way we can point the finger at others, we need to make sure we point that finger Keep at that ourselves. Same energy, right? You know how people, you know, people ask for money. <laughs> and it's always very urgent, and right. the energy is always 10 out of 10. It gets almost stern. And then when, when it's time to pay that money back, huh, what? Yeah. What you talking about? The energy to pay it back oftentimes never matches. Or a lot of times the, the, the energy of the disrespect never matches the the energy of the apology. That's so true. You know what I'm saying? That's so, so yes, be mindful of how you're going to operate to yourself. The more you're going to give yourself grace, the more grace you'll be able to give others. And Marcus Cargill, I just want to say this was an amazing episode on the show. Um, thank before you, we, No, thank you. And before we close out, I, I want to I get your information out to the people, right? Where can they find Marcus, the Peace Coach Cargill, right? Because I'm sure there are listeners right now somewhere like, yo, Truth Seeker, you better make sure this man gives his information. So where can we find you, my brother? Um, you can text PEACE, P-E-A-C-E, -E, to 310-469-8710. 
and uh, put you into a uh, into a community where we can uh, stay in contact on different updates and different goods and services. You can book a session immediately at Cargill, C-A-R-G-I-L-L Fitness, CargillFitness.com. You can find me on Instagram at Cargill, the Peace Coach. And you can finally find me at Cargill Fitness on YouTube as well. So whichever way you want to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, we took a journey with this man, Marcus Cargill, from start to where he is now. And I'm truly thankful that I was able to take this journey with my good brother, right? It's one of those things where as individuals, we are always in search of truth for ourselves, whatever that may look like, right? And it's just a beautiful feeling when we can take that journey alongside of somebody who we, we, who we respect, who we admire, who we appreciate, right? But also, I talk to you guys time in and time out with making sure you are grateful of where you are now, being grateful for the process to get to where you are now, being grateful for the trials and tribulations that shape the character of who you are now, all of these different facets of life that made you who you are today. It is important that you remind you of the power in which you hold and never allow others outside of you to take that power away. As I pass it back to Marcus Cargill, I want you to give the people a closing statement, something that you want them to carry as we close this episode. Is there any final words? Yes. Um, audit your environment. Be mindful of your environment, that everything within your environment is conducive to the goals that you have for yourself, right? So say, for example, somebody wants to get healthier. They want to, you know, we got the New Year's resolution crowd getting ready to get hyped up and change their life in January, right? But instead of just trying for one month, just commit to creating an environment that allows you to be in that space all the time. So you have your... You know, on TV, you might have your YouTube on your smart TV, right? So you, you subscribe to more fitness and health pages. You subscribe to curating more uh, meal prep and, and exercise pages on your Instagram. You keep your uh, gym clothes in the front of the closet and, and near the bed as with your workout gear. You keep the protein shakes and the fruits and vegetables and the blender outside, right, that where it's visible in the kitchen. Give yourself some goals. You reach out to people to go on a walk with you, go bike riding with you, go skating with you. You know, keep some dumbbells by the door, a jump rope in the backyard, so forth and so on. Create an environment, whatever that may look like, that's conducive to you meeting the goals you want to meet. I would say that's number one. And number two, structure your day. Start, it, take a look at your calendar and your phone. Get a pen and paper. Write down your, your calendar on a pen and paper first, your week. Start planning your week out and plan it out the whole week by the hour. That's going to allow you to increase your productivity to get a lot more done and feel a lot more productive in your life. Environment and plan out your life. Plan out with the calendar by the hour, the moment you wake up to go to sleep. Ladies and gentlemen, as we wrap up this Beautiful episode, right? 
I hope you got all of the nourishment. I hope you got all of the energy. I hope essentially you got everything that you were looking for. Like we always do at this time. Peace to the people. I'm gone.